the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Okay, so I thought like we'd reboot the Stranger Things series. The reason for that was uh, I was listening back to the talk I did the first time and I thought actually there's a much better way of doing what I'd done previously and a way of looking at things. So this week and a couple of weeks when we're looking through the book of Daniel, after Daniel we're going to start looking at some of the stuff Jesus did and then after that we'll be looking at the book of Acts which some people call Acts of the Holy Spirit because then it's kind of like our part in the journey. So today we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up on the City Hill London app if you want, or if you've got a Bible on your phone, cool, or if you've got a book, fantastic, great, whichever one. So I'm going to kind of set the scene a little bit. So we're going to read from verse 8, but the beginning bit before that is a literal kind of like a, just a brief bit, a background story, where Nebuchadnezzar has decided that he's going to build this huge gold statue and that when people go past it, when the beat drops, people worship the statue. That's just how it's going down. That's their law. That's what everyone does. He stuck it in an open place that people pass by. And if you don't do it, you're dead. You're dead. That's what he's throwing down. That's the way it is. Then from verse 8, Therefore, at that time, the Chaldeans came forward, maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to the king Nebuchadnezzar, Live forever, you, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the hornpipe, the lyre, the trigon, whatever that sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a great instrument. Sounds like we should still be using that. But the harp and the bagpipe, didn't know the Scots were in the Bible, but, you know, roll with it. And every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to these men, would be brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready then, you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made. Well and good. But if you don't, you shall be immediately cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, a bit like Donald Trump, fire and fury like the world has never seen. I don't know why Trump came to my head then, but hey, banter is real. Um, And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and other garments, and they were thrown 
into the burning fiery furnace. Because of the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to him, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of a fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fire. But the satraps, the prefects and the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw the fire had not had any power over their bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, the cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or tongue that speaks out against the God of Meshach, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted um, them in the province of Babylon. So, the book of Daniel is a crazy, crazy book. In, in the Christian Bible, it's kind of listed among the prophets. In the Jewish Bible, it's not among the prophets. It doesn't follow the kind of typical... The prophets were like poets. They were like writers. They dropped mixtapes. When you read it in the, in the English, you miss a lot of their rhyme scheme because it's all, it's all dualism. It's the same thing being said twice, but in slightly different ways. That was their way of kind of like spitting bars, shall we say. And so the prophets kind of did this format. Daniel, Christians look to as a prophet because actually some of the things he says pertains to our future and to the future of things that we have experienced now in this world and in our history that he said and has come true and come to pass. And there are some things that he speaks about right until the end of time. And he had a very distinct way about it. But for the Jewish people, he wasn't really seen as a prophet. So it goes amongst the like miscellaneous writings, which is it took me a while to find the Jewish Bible, actually, because I was looking in completely the wrong section. I was in the prophets. And I'm going, They've, did, did I make up Daniel in Bible college? Like, where the heck is this book? I couldn't find it this week when I was trying to read through it. So it's a really kind of different way of looking at things and how you see the book of Daniel I think is really important as we look through the book of Daniel we're going to be looking at it throughout this series because ultimately we're talking about the stranger things I don't know if you've seen the TV series you haven't seen the TV series but Daniel is going to kind of take us on a bit of a journey through some of the things not particularly this week but in the latter weeks to come whereas there's parts in Daniel that don't seem to happen in the others I mean there are other prophets like we looked at Elisha a while back Elisha was on an absolute mental one but Daniel the stuff in this book is just absolutely off the chain crazy. I mean, this story is crazy. There's so many other stories in it that are absolutely crazy. But when we look at this, I think there's a few lessons we can take on a simple level and then another level I want to talk about a bit later on. 
I think that so often we bow down to like culture and society and the peer pressure of what everyone says is the unwritten law. So it's not the law of the land, but it's the law of society. It's the law in the workplace. It's the law in our friendship circle. It's the law in our family. You know, the unspoken law, like you have to turn up at that family gathering. Like, no, I don't. You do. No, I don't. You do. No, I don't. With a particular friendship circle that have a particular thing in common, as soon as you start to push the boundary to be a little bit different in a particular area, everyone starts freaking out. Like, the very fabric of relationships within the group will all unwind. I remember my mates, like, I used to get smashed all the time as a teenager. I was drunk pretty much every weekend. I'd even drink beer on my way to school. And so when God had this moment in my life and I stopped drinking alcohol, I remember so many mates going like, Boy, mate, mate, it'll be all right, sunshine. Boy, your point, mate, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. And I was like, it is all right. It's better than all right. This is the best my life has ever been. Like, I don't need a pint. They'll be like, I know, I know, I know, but, but, but. We'll just get you a pint. It's going to be okay. It's like you've pushed outside of the unwritten law of that social construct, and all of a sudden the very fabric of it falls down. Now, for them, it's very different. It is law. But actually, I think that a lot of the time, you and I could take a huge leaf out of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego's book. I feel like way too often we compromise too quickly, that we pack it in too quickly, that we tap out too quickly. And, and the cool thing about this was that they said that, you know what, my God is able to keep me in the fire. My God is able to keep me. But you know what, even if he doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. I'm not bowing down. I'm not doing this. I'm not giving in. I feel like a lot of the time it's like, well, I'll be cool with God if God is going to save me from the fire. And I'll be cool with the plan he has and whatever. But then it's like, well, he didn't save me in that scenario, so bun that, I'm rolling up a joint. You know what I mean? That's how some people are. It's like you move away from something in the past or something in a, in, in a moment, but you're only there if God does what you want and how you want him to be. And then you'll walk with him on the journey that way. But for them, the, and we talked about this with Jabez a couple of weeks back, that his key thing, that when he does his disclaimer, he says that you would enlarge my territory, that you would bless me that you would give to me. But then he also says, but that I may not bring evil to this world. Harm is the word we read in our English Bible, but in the Jewish language, it's kind of connected to evil. So it's an association that he doesn't want to bring harm, not just to himself, but to other people. He doesn't want to have wealth if it means being part of a corrupt system. So the same thing with these guys. They're like, God, I want you to do an amazing thing. God, I want you to do the miraculous. God, I want you to do above and beyond whatever I can think or dream or imagine in this situation. But ultimately, whether you do it or not doesn't matter. I'm still doing my end. I'm still doing being faithful to you in the things that I know you want me to do in my life. So often we're like, God, I'm in, but you know, if, if you don't back the thing the way I want you to, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. But then the cool thing about this story that really struck me this week was I was thinking about Nebuchadnezzar. I was thinking about the emperor. I was thinking about the king and how he's looking at the fire and as they're in the fire, they're in the mess, they should be getting killed, they should be suffering, they should be screaming aloud. He's watching and he's seeing something different. He's looking and he's saying, is there three in the fire or is there four in the fire? Because I thought we threw three in. You see, one of the things you'll find is when you put yourself in a place where you go, God, I'm yours no matter what way this falls. God, I'm yours no matter where the this goes the right way, whether this relationship stays the right way, whether this job I've applied for, I said this the other week, but it's so true. All the time when we pray about a job, it's always like, Lord, this is the only job. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not sure an opportunity like this is going to pass its way around again. I don't know if there's the, but this one, and we're just, it's like, 
God can see everything in the in the whole of space, time, and beyond, and maybe in realms we don't even understand. But we're trying to like close his eyes to all the other amazing opportunities that are out there because we want this one thing, and it might not even be the good thing for us, like Jabez said. If it's not good for me, I don't want it. But if it is, enlarge my territory. I don't want to be Jabez anymore. I don't want to be in pain. These guys are like fully sold out. It's like they have good influential positions. They're doing all right with their lives. They're doing good. They're high flyers. It's easy in that moment to be like, well, I'm keeping a hold of this. So you know what? You drop that beat. I'll be flat on my floor (laughs) worshiping these guys. How do you want me to dance? Is there a song you want me to sing while I dance? Is there like, hey, I could give me a couple of weeks. I could be a pro. Is this like dancing on ice? Is this the first round? Like, I'll be there the whole way. I'll train up for this. You know what I mean? That's how a lot of times people would be, that if there comes that moment of pressure, bang, there, sign me up, I'm here. Their attitude is completely contrary to that. It's like, it doesn't actually matter. Their their understanding of everything isn't that they are the central theme to the plot, but that God and his character and who he is is theme to the plot. And actually for them, it's like, I want to be associated with a God who doesn't move. I want to be associated with a God who isn't fickle like this shiny gold Buddha outside. I want to, I want to be associated with the God who is consistent, who never changes, and, and is, is full of grace and of love. And they are that to the point of death. Did we throw three in the fire? Then why do I see a fourth looking like the Son of God? So theologically speaking, when we look at the Bible, it's basically the Old Testament. I mean, this isn't the greatest summary you'll ever hear, but it's, it's fun. It's a bit like, where's Wally? Like, or where's Waldo if you're American? Like, if you're not, I was doing it today with my kids. I found it in my parents' house. I had this book from when I was a youth and children's worker. And it's like, finding Minnie Mike in the New Testament. You're going through New Testament stories, finding Minnie Mike. I was like, oh, there he is. Eden and Ari had gone. And I was like, oh. I thought this was good. But that's what the Old Testament's like. The Old Testament, I think the easiest way to talk about it is to talk about, say, uh, theologically, they say types and shadows. So what they say is that they say that actually the New Testament, it may come before it chronologically, but it'd be like, say the sun is shining behind me and it casts a shadow on the ground. The the Old Testament is kind of like a shadow of what's to come. It's like you're looking at it kind of hazy. You can see the outline. You're not too sure about how this is going to pan out, what it's going to look like. In the New Testament, what you have is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the promises in Jesus. And so sometimes when you're reading the Old Testament, what you find is it's almost like a game of where's Wally, but where's Jesus? You can read some of the weirdest parts of the Bible in the Old Testament, and you can see Jesus in it if you look hard enough. And I want to take a moment just to look at the type and the shadow. Because one of the things that hit me this week was I was thinking about this, and I was listening to the, I don't know if you guys have heard it. I'm going to tweet it out or Facebook it or whatever social media it, I don't know, just say the one term so I can say all of them in one go, is the, the Hillsong song, There's Another in the Fire Standing Next to Me. Has anyone heard that song? Yes, there's like, there's two people. Joe didn't even put her hand up even though I've played it like a hundred times. <laughs> She's like, I know it, but I don't want to know it. It's such an amazing, amazing song. They were singing it at the Hillsong conference when we were there. And I remember as they were kind of going through the song, it's telling you the story of Daniel. It tells you a few other stories in the Bible as well in there, but it's got Daniel's story in there and it kind of relates it to our story. And it's the idea that there was another standing next to me in the fire. And, and, and the picture I think is that so often in, in, in moments in our lives is we can relate to this story because there are going to be times when you walk with Jesus, when you put your trust in him, when the fire is going to be raging in your life when it's gonna get so tough and so difficult. You can have moments of mental health issues. You can have moments of relationship breakdowns. You can have moments of 
consistent bullying. You can have moments of financial distress. You can have moments where you doubt yourself. You can have moments where you completely lose the plot. And you know what? It's like you're being consumed by a fire. It's like being in a burning fire. But the great news about this story is they were thrown in the fire. The heat was hotter than it had ever been before, but there was another standing next to them in the fire. And the good news today is that Jesus made a promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us and that there'll be another standing next to you in the fire that you face in your life, that you'll never have to face any fire, any situation alone. That's the promise that he makes and he gives to each and every single one of us. That it doesn't matter whether it's as a little kid when you're growing up and you're going through being bullied at school because guess what? There's another in the fire who's next to you. It doesn't matter if you're in a place where financially things are so unbelievably difficult you don't know how you're going to make it through the month there's another in the fire standing next to you it doesn't matter if marriage is at a point where you think you're going to lose it it's going to break down it's going to fall apart there's another in the fire standing next to you it doesn't matter if it comes to a place where you find yourself in the in the in the place of divorce there's another in the fire standing next to you it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in there's one who's standing in the fire next to you and you know what the amazing thing is is that when you trust in God in those situations it's not that the fire isn't hotter than it is for anyone else. It's totally hot. Those moments in your life burn and they're painful and they're difficult. The difference maker is this, is that Jesus is with you. And when Jesus is with you in the fire, people are looking and they're saying, I thought we threw three people in the fire. Why is there a fourth shining like the Son of God? And why is it that they were bound, but they're in the fire and they're not bound? They're at liberty in the fire. They're walking around the situations in their life. Man, you know what? I've had so many friends that over the years have said to me and Jody go like, man, things just look so easy for you guys. And I'm like, are you smoking drugs? Are you high on cocaine? Things are not easy for us. Things are really, really difficult. They have this idea because they're looking at us go through the fire. What they don't realize is there's another standing next to us in the fire. And and though the, the fire's raging and though it's hot, I'm walking around in that situation and I'm unbound. I'm unbound. Because when I'm with Jesus, the situation around me doesn't always change, but I change in the situation. And when I'm with him, I can have a peace about it I never dreamed would be possible. There's another standing next to you in the fire. And so sometimes what you see is you see in the Old Testament things that are later going to come in the New Testament. And the New Testament writers talk about Jesus as being him who ascended is also he who descended. Saying like that God became flesh and blood, he became among us. But also the very idea that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And the great thing about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins is Jesus talked about hellfire. Even in the Old Testament, there's this idea, this place of burning, this place of agony in the fire. But in Matthew's gospel, unlike any of the other gospels, there's this one moment, I think it's in Matthew 27 verses 51 to 53. It talks about that Jesus dies on the cross, the sky darkens, it says there was an earthquake, and some of the graves, it says the saints were risen from the dead. Well, you're not a saint by anything you've done, you're a saint by what Jesus has done. And so all I can understand is that Jesus dies on the cross, and for all I know, there's a bunch of guys in hell fire and all of a sudden there's another standing in the fire next to them and all of a sudden the fire doesn't burn anymore and all of a sudden Matthew's gospel is writing about these guys going around the towns and they're testifying of who Jesus is these people raised from the dead raised to life to just promote and preach the gospel and the good news around those towns and I just want to tell you today like above all things sometimes in life we can be in situations where the fire is real The situation you're going through is real, but Jesus is the truth and the truth shall set you free and he can give you liberty 
even in the captivity of your situation in the confines, that can transcend beyond anything you've ever dreamed possible. There's another in the fire, not next to him, not next to Meshach, not next to Shadrach, not next to Abednego. There is another in the fire standing next to you this morning. There's another who wants to meet with you in your place and be with you, that can comfort you. That yet the fire isn't gonna go away. The fire isn't gonna get any less hot. But I tell you what, you're gonna start noticing you're not singeing anymore. You're gonna start noticing you're not stinking from it anymore. You're gonna start noticing it's not burning you anymore. And there's gonna be a moment when other people are gonna start looking at you and they're gonna start saying, why are they not burning? Why are they not consumed in their situation? Why are they not broken by all the weight that is on them to crush and to break them? And it's simply because there's another in the fire standing next to you and that you're not alone in your fire. You don't have to be alone in your fire. You can choose to be alone in there if you want. Those three guards throwing them in. You can choose to be alone. Or you can welcome him. It's the choice that we, every single one of us has. So as we kick off the, the series Stranger Things reboot, the thing that I'm thinking about I'm not looking for things from God that make sense anymore. I'm looking for the things that don't make sense. I'm looking for the moments where people look and they're like, that doesn't make sense. Why on earth is he happy? Why on earth is he peaceful in that situation? How is he, how is he, how is she being like that? How did they just take that on the chin and they're just still going and they're still joyful? How, 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 how are they doing that? How are they doing that? Man, I'm gonna pray for us. Father God, you know every person here, you know the fire that's coming in their life or the fire they're in or the fire they've just come out of. Father God, I thank you that you meet us exactly as we, where we are. And I thank you, God, you receive us as we are, but I thank you you don't leave us that way. Father, I just pray for everyone here, Lord, that wants to make a decision in their heart that they want to trust in you, that, Lord, they would find you there in the midst of their fire, that they would find you with them. They would find themselves unbound in the midst of a raging fire in their lives knowing they're completely free in it because you have set them free. And I pray, Lord God, that you would use those moments in our lives. They suck. We hate them. We all never want to go through those things. We all hate them. I hate them. But Father God, if, if it can catch one Nebuchadnezzar's eyes in my life, Lord, or in our lives, I pray that you'd use it, Lord. That we won't just go through that pain needlessly, but others will see that there was another standing in the fire next to us. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would meet with us because ultimately, it doesn't matter what anyone says on a Sunday, it just matters that you're here and that you meet with us. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet with us as we are, but you wouldn't leave us that way and you'd help us to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus. And God, I just want to say that we are so grateful that you are with us in the fire. We are so grateful. Thank you so much that we don't have to be alone in any fire we face. We don't have to be consumed, that we can trust in you the same way they trusted in you. That in the situations that we think are too big for us and too much for us, you are able to keep us. But Lord, we, I just want you to know, and, and this is for me, other people can say it in their own hearts or out loud if they want to, but for me, Lord God, I, I don't care whether I get burned or I don't get cared. I, I, want, I don't want to bow down and I want to worship you, Lord, and I want to live for you and I want to do what you want to do in my life. And I just thank you so much, Lord, that through the, so many different fires as a child growing up through the bullying, Lord, you were with me in the fire, Father. Through the times and through, through the gangs as a teenager, Lord, you were with me through the fire. Father God, through the moments where 
I was suicidal, you were with me. You were with me, Lord, and you kept me, Father. And I'm grateful, Lord, that at that time you brought Jody into my life and did so much goodness. And I'm grateful for my kids and all that I have, Lord. And I'm grateful that even though my house doesn't have water right now, <laughs> I still have the house, Lord. I'm just so grateful that through the fire you were with me. And I just pray for everyone here who's going through a fire that they would encounter your grace and their mercy where they need it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. really hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about City Hill please visit our website cityhill.london